0: This is KCLR's Bottom Line
1: with John Purcell.
0: Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the city's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie.
2: Hello, good morning, and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR on a bright, cold, crisp. Saturday morning. Thanks to Brian Redmond for the last two hours. I'll be with you until 10 o'clock. This morning on The Bottom Line, we'll be talking to Brendan MacDonald, Regional Manager for IDA Ireland, about the Authority's Annual Report for 2020 and what lies ahead for industrial development in this area during the COVID era. In past years, at this time of the year, thousands of craft makers from all over the country would be joined in the RDS by buyers, from around the world in this important event organised by the Design and Craft Council of Ireland. I'm talking about Showcase, of course, but not this year. We'll be talking to Rosemary Steen, CEO of the Design and Craft Council about the alternative online event this year and other exciting projects in the pipeline for the creative and craft sector. And John Madigan of the Strategic Banking Corporation of Ireland will be joining Roisin Gilroy of St. Canis' Kilkenny Credit Union to talk to us about the COVID-19 Credit Guarantee Scheme, low-cost loans for the SME sector, with the usually fraught issue of personal guarantees largely taken on by the state. But first, joining me on the phone is a man with extensive and immense experience in Irish media and business, who, over two decades, hard to believe, has worked at the top levels of Irish media. He's former editor in chief of News Talk and he's led and shaped uh, the national current affairs debate on that station over the years. He's worked closely with many household names and been involved in the development of many successful programmes and programme formats, which continue to this day. He now runs his own media consultancy and training company called Heart Media. Good morning, Garrett Hart.
3: Good morning, John
2: Purcell from, uh, Bright and uh, Blue Sky Greystones here in Wicklow. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, it's a bright Saturday morning, but it's been a very difficult week. It's been a tumultuous week uh, on the international stage. We've seen... Uh, um, uh, what's his name, I've forgotten already, Donald Trump exit uh, stage left, you know, a lot of stuff going on in Ireland, but let's start with Ireland. It's been a difficult week on the COVID front and uh, messaging and, and your whole area at the centre of it. Yeah, look, I I, I, uh,
3: I know we'll speak about Biden and it's important to uh, talk uh, this morning in, in a positive light about that event, we'll come back to it, but certainly we can't escape uh, the discussion around COVID. Uh, and for me, I think we all, first of all, have a duty to what I would call avoiding the catastrophization of COVID um, and getting a balance into the discussion and eliminate the finger-pointing and, and painting of certain elements of society as somehow being guilty for where we are today. I think we, we're all... Part of this, and we're all guilty, uh, and we're, we're all going to be part of the solution. So, whether that's blaming young people or finger pointing at sections of the Irish economies such as hospitality, uh, and in some way blaming that section for where we are today in terms of, of COVID. Um, and, you know, I, I was thinking overnight, um, you know, I'm uh, originally from a small town in, in Donegal, and, and the two main Pubs in that town have been closed since last March. the so family run pubs been there in the guts of hundred years, and they're not part of some political lobby group you know they, they they're not in uh, Leinster house uh, uh, strong arming politicians. they're the center point of that community. Football team changes where the host drive is held and the big concern I have like most people. Would have is that pubs, small businesses like that around the country uh, need uh, to get certainty, uh, and they need uh, the government to enhance, for example, the current financial measures to ensure these businesses are cocooned for the next couple of months. Because I, you know, I I, I, I uh, I'm quite critical of the government at the moment in terms of their messaging and it being too reactionary uh, and not strategic enough. Uh, and you know, there's more speculation in the papers this morning that the restrictions that we're currently in uh, will run until the end of February, uh, uh, and uh, it would uh, be, I think, very very helpful if the government would come out as the Northern Ireland executive did last week to say. We're holding the restrictions until the 5th of March. As difficult as that is to hear, at least there's certainty. But the other piece, John, is that uh, the next couple of weeks are going to be challenging. The next couple of months are going to be challenging. But this year is the opportunity for us to get into the uh, recovery plan. Yeah, uh, and look look beyond the summer, and that's where we we, we change
2: gear. Because it's really like a state of war, isn't it? It's not a temporary little blip. Uh, it's it's a major upheaval of historic proportions that we're all going through at the moment.
3: Absolutely, and I. I heard there was a former editor of the Financial Times uh, speaking during the week, and he made that point and, and referenced the Second World War and, and said, look, the the, the challenges that, that we face are, are quite similar, that we have we have an enemy that's invisible, uh, the virus, and really our, our efforts uh, to tackle that enemy need to be working together uh, as opposed to finding opportunities to uh, uh, apportion blame uh, but on the, on the back of that, uh, when we do deal with this and when we, we do get ahead of it, now, you know, I think the back to the messaging, uh, let's say, in the media and the messaging uh, in general, if we look at the, the vaccination rollout, John, like that is a hugely positive and, uh, uh, story to tell. Uh, I have a, uh, a relative in a nursing home in Donegal who got his vaccine first jab yesterday. Uh, and, and the sense of relief and, and uh, uh, a joy at that. Uh, I have a, a brother-in-law who's an A&E consultant in, in Manchester. who's a very uh, you know, uh, uh, down-to-earth guy who works the front line for years, deals in very difficult situations. He was taking his 88-year-old mother to the Etihad Stadium during the week, uh, in the Man City Stadium, uh And he said he he broke down because he saw these queues and queues of elderly people being wheeled in and they were overjoyed at getting the vaccination. And he just just said, look, this is what this this is all about. So there is hope.
2: We just have to get in touch with that hope. 100%, 100%.
3: 100%, 100%.
2: Yeah, now speaking of um, other hopeful events, and we have to remember that not everybody uh, held him up as the um, as the personification of all that was wrong, but Donald Trump, a divisive figure, but he's moved off the stage now during the week. But l- lots of interesting kind of perspectives on that as well, Gareth. What's your take?
3: Yeah, look, I, I think it goes back again to, to the power of, of uh, language, John. Uh, you know, I, I was... Um, uh struck uh, at the events this week, and in, a nor- in normal times you know the the u s presidential inauguration would be dominating the headlines all week, particularly with, with an Irish American president such as Joe Biden but you know the enormity of, of Biden himself, Kamala Harris uh, and the history with that, but also this you know f- for me the stunning poetry of of, of Amanda Gorman. No, the way that she was able to capture language and turn it into uh, uh, a powerful uh, um, delivery and and that poem, The The Hill We Climb." I was watching it with my 14-year-old daughter and the previous week we watched the, the insurrection at Capitol Hill and I was just struck that both events had language as their undertone and how it was able to influence uh, both events, mm. and you know, if you look at the the the, uh, the poem that uh, Amanda put together, her talent in capturing those recent events, challenging events, and weaving that into a work of poetry just was outstanding. And, and she had a line in it, some great lines. But the one for me that stood out was, "And somehow we weathered and witnessed the nation." It isn't broken, but simply unfinished. Mm. Fantastic line.
2: Yeah, yeah, hopeful. Uh, And all this, of course, um, impacts on business because public sentiment and the mood of the nation and the mood of the world is what business, um, you know, needs to surf, so to speak. And behind a lot of the negative things, I've heard you speak over the years about it, are two global businesses, Facebook and Google, who have transformed the world in many ways, and not all of them good by any means, uh, uh, and the last couple of weeks has brought that into focus.
3: Yeah, I, I, I think the, uh, when I watched the insurrection at Capitol Hill, uh, I was doing an event the following morning, a, a webinar with a number of business leaders uh, to talk about leadership, and, and uh, the, the curator of the webinar rang me and said, look, everyone wants to talk about what happened uh, in, in Washington. Can we change the focus uh, of the webinar? And and when I was talking to that group of, of, of leaders, what, what struck me at that time watching the insurrection was that this is a manifestation of on an unregulated media platform such as Facebook, Twitter and, and so on. And really what we probably were witnessing was the beginning of the end for uh, for, for uh, those entities uh, and that we now are going to see regulation coming in because I'd say presidents and prime ministers and uh, nations across the globe are looking in, thinking this could happen in France, this could happen in the UK, this could happen in Ireland.
2: Yeah, and we've got uh, and the I future media commission uh, pondering all these issues at the moment in Ireland, so the time is right to do something.
3: Time is right. You know, I'd, I'd be a little bit critical, John, in the makeup of, of the commission. Uh, you know, I, I um, you know, my my, my previous uh, life has been in frontline media Broadcast media and, and independent commercial uh, radio, um, and the fact that the Commission, uh, 10 representatives, uh, didn't uh, include someone from that sector when over 70% of the Irish public listen to local radio every day was, uh, I, I think, is something that should be looked at. But mm. I, I think they're, they, what they need to do pretty quickly is they need to. Get a appropriate funding mechanism to protect and grow local media because independent radio, KCLR, Highland Radio, WLR, independent radio is the gatekeeper of local democracy. Mm. Now if we don't do something about funding, news, current affairs, then that important role will exist cease to exist. Yeah, and yeah. And we should not underestimate the threat to local democracy from those digital platforms to drive fake news.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, Finally, Gareth, and briefly if you will, reasons to be cheerful. It's been a difficult week. People are probably feeling a bit bruised, uncertain about the future, but can we look ahead with
3: hope? 100% John. I I have a uh, relation of mine who's in Auckland uh, and I was speaking to her before Christmas and Auckland, New Zealand uh, are more or less back to uh, where where we hope to get at the end of the summer. Uh, and our line was, Garrett, uh, rest now because uh, we have not stopped socialising. Uh, I haven't socialised much since I was in my 20s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the sense of a community, meeting people, uh, and that getting back to basics. So that's all to look forward to, John. Yeah. Uh and I you know, I, I think if we can pull together as as we know we can, uh, I think the, the and get over these initial few months I think we're we have a great summer ahead.
2: Absolutely. Well on that hopeful note, Gareth, we leave it there and look forward to chatting to you again during twenty twenty one.
3: Thanks, John. Take
2: care. Take care of yourself. That's Garrett Hart, uh, Managing Director of Hart Media, giving us his perspective on where we are with COVID, where we are in the world, and how we can look ahead with hope despite all the challenges that face us. We'll be looking ahead to the year in craft and design after this break.
4: The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the
0: South largest independent accountancy practice. www.omf.ie The heart of two counties.
4: KCLR.
2: You're listening to KCLR The Bottom Line, John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock. Now, design and craft is a huge contributor to the Irish economy, to the local economy in this area in Kilkenny and Carlow. And on another level indeed, it's an important part of our Irish identity and culture. But it's a sector that has had to adapt like every other part of business and usually at this time of the year, as I mentioned at the start of the programme, we'd be following showcase in the RDS but not this year. But that doesn't mean there isn't lots going on for the Irish craft sector. Joining me on the line to tell us more is Rosemary Steen. Rosemary is Chief Executive of the the Design and Crafts Council of Ireland. We'll be talking, Rosemary, about a really exciting Bauhaus project in a minute, but first tell me about the virtual showrooms at Showcase. Looks really good.
5: Uh, John, we've been really determined, I suppose, as you know there's been such uh, you know a difficult year for so many makers that we wanted to keep the show on the road in regard to showcase. So what we've done is we've taken it virtual with uh, the support of our friends and the Leos and Enterprise Ireland. So we're going to have four days of, of virtual showrooms uh, where basically over one hundred makers will be presenting to approximately 300 buyers next week on a a special platform which has been uh, procured by Enterprise Ireland for us, which has been great. And then we've also got our showcaseireland.com website up and running, and members of the public can see that. And that's got over 400 makers who would have exhibited a showcase on us mm. and i suppose what we're trying to do is make sure that even though i know it's been such an appalling month for the country that we keep focused on giving these opportunities back to makers and um i just want to thank enterprise ireland and, and the leo's for their support in this it's been brilliant
2: yeah and tell us when you say makers what do you mean you mean potters you mean weavers what else what kind of people oh. there's lots of them around here
5: it's it's jewellery, it's, um, you know, we have such high standards in textiles. You know, we see huge amount of emphasis now, particularly from uh, U.S. buyers, on really exciting young designers like Jill and Jill, who also kind of make, it's almost like a T-shirt come sweatshirt. With political messages. So it goes across a whole gamut um, from fashion, um, you know, jewellery, ceramics, pictures. uh, Wall art has become a really big trend where people are improving their houses as part of being at home more as part of the pandemic. And I think all of our makers will have seen that, that Irish people, because they're spending more time in their homes, like globally people are much more interested in buying craft and understanding where craft has come from as part of spending more time in their homes so you know in many ways i suppose the pandemic has brought opportunities as well for people to really concentrate on buying local and made local and that was a huge theme that we went through last year in terms of our made local campaign and we'll be looking to continue that through 2021
2: and people responding really well to the whole you know support local message
5: Oh absolutely and i mean it 's critical you know there 's fifty thousand jobs in the design and craft sector across the country, and really, we at this time of national crisis, I, I suppose just to say to all your listeners the positive thing that you can give back is buying something local, you know, and the craftspeople, I suppose, in this area in, in Kilkenny are really at the heart of the local economy and I know they've got massive support in the run-up to Christmas and it's just to really encourage people to think about that through the spring. We've got to keep going in terms of it, this encouragement to buy local because it matters so much in terms of keeping these local economies
2: alive. Yeah, now, um, the word Bauhaus, when I think of Bauhaus, first of all, I think of an 80s kind of got-band called house and then of course there was a furniture uh, movement and design movement but it's a new european yeah. initiative and it sounds very exciting from what i've read about tell us about how the design and crafts council is getting involved in it and what is it
5: yeah well look part of my job as, as ceo of the design and crafts council is to be scanning the future opportunities if you like for this sector so a big thing that's happened this week is president uh, von der Leyen and her state of the union address um, she highlighted that she wanted to invest in a Bauhaus initiative. And that really, um, John, has our sector at the heart of it. And I suppose it's the first time I've seen the European Commission really talking about arts and crafts being at the centre of sustainability. So it's really exciting. They're putting approximately one trillion euros into the what's called the new Green Deal, And basically what they want to do is use the ideas that came from the Bauhaus movement. So this was a movement between, say, 1919 and 1930 in Germany. And it was about how form follows function. So if you think of the cantilever chair, the typewriter, all of those kind of innovations came from that period. And what the president of the European Commission is saying is that she wants... Basically to combine, to make a bridge between the world of science and technology and the world of art and culture. And that's just so exciting for our organisation because it means that the European Commission is open to ideas where we can bring or play a role in our sector in leading how basically Europe brings this to the centre of sustainability. So what they're asking us to do is between now and I think the end of March, there's a special platform that's been launched and basically for member countries to make um, submissions as to how they could lead forward a Bauhaus movement in their country. So we have put, if you like, a plan together where we're going to run some consultation with relevant bodies that might join us in an application to the european commission for some of this activity in ireland and obviously look john one of the big opportunities for us in ireland now is with brexit we are the only english-speaking country remaining in the union <laughs> and this means that for these projects we're much more um, likely to be consulted or involved and and that really is an opportunity I see for our sector so it's really exciting and massive spend by the European Commission which I hope we'll be able to access as part of the recovery post-Covid in Ireland
2: Yeah and matching form and function is a very interesting concept because I'm reading you know they're hoping to renovate 35 million buildings across the continent as part of making uh, the continent carbon neutral that's exciting because they want to marry it with kind of excellence in design and, and so on that's a really interesting and a great opportunity for the craft sector.
5: Yeah, and I think it just shows how far the craft sector has come economically. You know, that now the European Commission are saying, we really want uh, the necessary, I think she said was the phrase, can also be beautiful. And I think that's the opportunity for our sector. When you think of the way that the Irish population has embraced buying things for their houses, the next trend is going to be how to incorporate design and craft as part of refurbishment of these houses and that's a massive opportunity for our sector and it's really exciting so look we'll be putting together some webinars some forums to try and make sure that we get a submission in and start a discussion and i'm just putting the call out to every, all of your listeners this morning if there are people who are interested from other organizations in being part of this please reach out to me um i'll leave your my email and the details with you on it uh, john and we really want to get a coalition of interests around this together
2: yeah and amazingly um the design and craft council is celebrating 50 years in operation
5: i know isn't it incredible i mean it, it was um established following a visit by the world Crafts council to ireland in 1970 and a gentleman called frank sutton uh, set it up in in 1971. and i just think i feel such a debt to these people because it's incredible the foresight and the vision that they had in setting up the organization and wanting to do the best for the craftspeople and now the design people who joined in 2015. so they had real foresight and I suppose what we're trying to do this year is to really emphasise the importance of makers Um, and so we'll be doing an exhibition celebrating uh, basically 50 makers um, to represent each year of the existence of the Council and I'm really hoping we've put that call out to our community and to all our guilds and associations and to our members asking for nominations but I'm also happy to accept nominations from members of the public who want to nominate a maker that they particularly want to recognise and we'll have a committee that will assess all of the applications and then I'm really hoping that when the country's starts to reopen hopefully over the summer that we'll be able to have an exhibition in Kilkenny celebrating the 50 years of the organisation because it really deserves marking. You know, it's an incredible... Um, uh, a network of people who've done so much economically for the country.
2: And it strikes me that over that time we've seen a, a, an evolution of the understanding of craft and design, from being kind of decoration to very much appreciation of the function. You know, you're talking about the environmental function, the economic function, the you know, all of that kind, the utility. And um, you, during these very difficult times, you've run a keep well campaign, which has emphasised the importance of craft and craft activity in uh, helping people to stay well.
5: Yeah, and we're trying to do our best. I mean, we really recognise as an organisation how difficult the, the last couple of months have been and we've we've done a couple of different things um, so we're working on Keep Well we're working with Slauncher Care in the government and Kilkenny County Council and I suppose what we're trying to do is encourage people to switch off and, and get creative and to learn something new um, so we're offering little pieces of craft and craft activities and we've done things like um, making your own wreath for Christmas to hang on your front door but also just um, we sent out 40,000 3D craft your own star cards um, for people and um, we got a massive, for for kids basically to make for Christmas and we got a massive reaction to that and so we're going to have a new initiative that are coming forward from our guilds and associations and I really do think um, it's a really important time to experience craft and if you haven't done any craft up to now and you're at home and you want some ideas, take a look at our website and we hope to have many new projects during the spring working with Launch Care on it because it if i do think it brings a sense of calmness and a sense of purpose if you can make something and um look We've also tried to use the square in um, the, the, the Kilkenny. Uh, we opened that during Christmas in the evenings so for people to have somewhere to come and reflect and have a sense of calm when the churches were closed. And I'm very open as well to ideas from the community from people who may want to use that square, working with the Civic Trust during the spring, because I'm very conscious of how important outdoor spaces are at the moment. Mm. So again, just to say that resources there, and we in the Craft and Design Council, uh, the Design and Craft Council, want. To do everything that we can to make sure that people um get get to use it so any ideas around that as well we'd welcome
2: that's great rosemary well if anyone wants to get in touch with us we'll pass them on to you or you can check out uh, your website rosemary pleasure talking to you i can hear the enthusiasm into your in your voice a lot of positivity going on that's what we all need and i look forward to catching up with you during the year and uh, uh hearing about progress on all those exciting projects thanks a million
5: Thanks for having me on, John. Really appreciate the opportunity.
2: Bye. Pleasure, Rosemary. See you. Uh, that's Rosemary Steen, uh, Chief Executive of the Design and Crafts Council of Ireland.
4: The Bottom Line on KCLR with John
2: Purcell.
0: Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the South largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie
2: You're very welcome back after the break. John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. Now, 2020, the year just gone, was a year unlike any other for business, as we've... Been discussing endlessly, but I'm sure it was a year unlike any other for IDA Ireland, the agency charged with leading Ireland's industrial development. Uh, and with me on the line to talk about their most recent report is Brendan mcdonald who's the manager of Southeast Re- Regional Business Development for IDA Ireland. Good morning, Brendan. Good morning. Tell us a bit about 2020 in the world of IDA.
4: Yeah, I suppose, listen, 2020 was uh, one of the most challenging years that we've had um, in quite a long time. I suppose when we look back over the last uh, last few decades, we had the financial crisis um, in 20, 2008 and obviously the years thereafter. And I suppose we, we would have thought that we would have seen the back of, of global crisis. But then everything from you know Brexit to change of administration uh, in various different countries globally would have been a bit of a shock to the system over the the years and then obviously we had the global pandemic to hit uh, at the early early stages of last year so it's been a very very challenging year but um, I'm happy to report that our, our client companies have been extremely resilient in these challenging times and I suppose we launched our, our 2020 results uh, just at the start of January this year which show you know very resilient performance by ideal client companies and uh, we're happy to report that as of as of 2020, we have 257,394 people employed in idea client companies right across Ireland, across all regions, across all sectors. So from the point of view of, of being resilient in a pandemic, our client companies are certainly uh, certainly. St- you know, standing up to the challenge, and there are many challenges. They we we had in 2020, we won 246 investments with 99, or sorry, 95 new named companies. So that was right across, uh, right across all regions. 128 of those. Uh, Investments are 52% were in regional locations. So we were able to continue to win business uh, in locations right across con- the country, including in the southeast and indeed in Klikeni and Carlo with UPMC uh, announcing in June uh, a global technology center of excellence and Unum and Carlo announcing an expansion of their center of excellence. So we were able to continue to win investment for regional locations and including, as I say, in the Southeast, which has been very positive.
2: Yeah, both right of across. those very encouraging um, investments. The UPMC one, I, I think that's something of a, of a kind of tipping point. I think it was, if memory serves me, one of the largest in uh, kind of medical technology recorded. Tell us more about the UPMC announcement.
4: Yeah, so we've been working with David Byrne and the team in UPMC for a number of years now. It's, it's uh, probably three years in the offing. Um, to, I suppose, showcase the southeast and so showcase the region, as you're aware. Um, UPMC put significant investment into the Whitfield Clinic in Waterford. And they've also got an outreach centre in Carlow, and they've also had some other investments um, in, in Ireland, uh, in, you know, in Cork and Clare, and in Kilkenny. So the winning of the Global Technology Centre of Excellence for, uh, with UPMC was a huge milestone, uh, I suppose, for the southeast in general, because it shows that not only are we able to continue to win investment, but we're able to win really significant technology investment. So they're going to put in a technology centre of excellence to support the various um, various systems and various processes that they have within their hospital group. They're a massive hospital group in the US uh, I think they've, they've over 30 hospitals over there. They're also in Italy and in China. So we're uh, we're going to help see, I suppose, the, the technology centre in Kilkenny, which is going to build and grow hopefully over the, next, the coming years and support all of those Operations globally, this is a multi-billion-dollar company who have chosen Kilkenny as their centre of excellence, and that's a huge vote of confidence in not just Kilkenny in the southeast, but in Ireland So, from a health technology perspective, it was a significant win, and we're very, very proud to be able to launch that with uh, with the folks in UPMC in the middle of the pandemic. And obviously, we would have loved to have you know a launch event, but we did it all online, yeah. and uh, and we launched that back in June. So that was a huge huge announcement
2: and of course David Byrne he's a local Kilkenny man with very strong roots he's the head of UPMC in Ireland Unum in Carlow also uh, I think they celebrated 10 years there this year but they're also expanding which is good to see in, in the context of Covid and the difficulties it poses for operations
4: that's right that's uh, another company uh, that have expanded in the region in recent times so you know I think they had their 10th anniversary couple, uh, two years ago now ah. I think they've t- well, at this stage, so they've they've got deep roots with uh, with the local community and in particular the IT in in Carlo, where they have a centre of excellence as well, and you know they're they're a real um, feeder feeder school for uh, UPMC. So for UPMC for Unum even uh, for from a graduate perspective, and they're um, they're employing lots of people locally and bringing people back from other locations, including Dublin, to work in high uh, high class. Uh, technology jobs in Carlo. so that mm. was a great, again, another boost for Carlo and a, a vote of confidence in, in the in the regional location as well.
2: Brendan, um, you know 2021, many of the old ways of doing business no longer possible. Um, IDA Ireland presumably meeting people, showing people around sites, visiting companies abroad, all that now hugely difficult. What's the strategy uh, from IDA Ireland to adapt to the new realities of the era of Covid?
4: Yes, yeah, so we've gone fully remote uh, as an agency since I think the fourteenth of March was the last day uh, we were in the office. So our regional office is in Waterford, and our head office is in Three Park Place in Dublin. So we went fully remote on the fourteenth of March, and we haven't been back in the office since. Much like uh, many of our client companies, and indeed many uh, of, of uh, the Enterprise Ireland supported and Leo companies right across Ireland. So as of the end of um, of the end of um, of the year, I suppose. Fifty percent of IDA clients' supported employees, employed uh, companies, were actually remote working. So you'd have a lot of people working in financial services, in technology, and in, in, in um, consumer services who were able to go fully remote. Whereas the national average for uh, for Ireland is probably. of people are working remotely at the moment so over 50% of the idea client companies have gone remote and that's been a huge challenge uh, for companies and indeed a huge challenge for us as an agency as we try to attract in foreign direct investment. so traditionally what we would do is we would and seek to bring in people um, physically into Ireland, and then tour them around to various different locations that we have identified that may be a suitable fit for the company. Now, ultimately, the company makes the final decision as to where they will locate, but we can we can show them around different locations. So, when we get a company to visit the southeast, we will assess their needs and try and uh, you know match their needs to a location, be it uh, from the clustering perspective, or if there is, you know, a a particular property solution that might be uh, suitable. So we do that all that physically, and we'd have them in the car. But now we've gone fully remote, and we've gone to fully remote itineraries via via video. Mm. So what we're doing is we're setting up the meetings uh, online, and we're bringing the bringing folks in virtually from various parts of the world. So we've done it in the cities in the last year. We've had people in uh, from Asia, from New Zealand, from uh, from the East and West Coast.
2: Yeah. And um, Brenda McDonald, uh, thank you very much for joining us. That was Brenda MacDonald, uh, regional manager with IDA Ireland telling us about their 2020 annual report and also looking ahead uh, to new ways of doing business and glad to hear they've found new ways of showing people around virtually which is really rather good. Now last week we spoke with Maria Couchman about the taste in Carlow Experience Trail and if you were hoping to submit an application for this but didn't get round to it yet, if you're a bit of a procrastinator, good news is you still have time, applications have been extended, that's the deadline, has been extended until february 12th to submit an application go to surveymonkey.com forward slash or forward slash carlo taste trail or just check out localenterprise.ie forward slash carlo for further information now uh, the availability of credit to companies is always a big issue and uh, i suppose as people seek to restructure as they look at new ways of doing business uh, and all of that kind of stuff the availability of credit is going to be a huge thing as well and there have been some uh, very innovative schemes brought in one of them is the credit guarantee scheme which the strategic banking corporation of ireland is looking after and good news during the week that St Canice's have been approved for the COVID-19 Credit Guarantee Scheme. With me to talk about this is John Madigan from the Strategic Banking Corporation of Ireland and Roisin Gilroy of St Canis's Kilkenny Credit Union. Good morning to you both. Good
0: morning, good morning John.
2: Yeah, starting with you, John. Uh, just tell us very quickly about the work of the Strategic Banking Corporation of Ireland.
0: Yeah, okay. in a
1: few words, John, uh, we were set up as we emerged from the last uh, financial crisis. Three things on uh, SMEs, mines, uh, lack of access to finance, uh, competition declining in the Irish market and price still an issue, a big price differential between Ireland and the rest of the EU. So over the last six years, we've tried to introduce uh, initially liquidity products, which meant just a reduction in price, but over the last while, we've um, graduated and evolved into the development of risk-sharing products, and risk-sharing products is what I really wanted to talk about this morning, which is the uh, credit guarantee scheme, the COVID-19 credit guarantee scheme, which tries to address access to finance, um, bring more competition into the market for SMEs, and reduce the price.
2: Um, yeah, and in relation to risk, um, one of the, you know, people always intend or virtually 99.9% intend to pay back the money, but sometimes circumstances change and guarantees are a big thing because they kind of follow you after things go pear-shaped and that stops people accessing finance. This um, credit guarantee scheme kind of addresses that. It does. Yeah, it
1: does. Um, certainly up to uh, a limit of 250,000 Um, There is no security required for this particular scheme. The government has placed an 80% guarantee uh, with the providers of the scheme. So, St. Councils will have uh, an 80% guarantee on all facilities that they do. Um, But up to 250,000, the SME is not required to provide any security whatsoever. No personal guarantees, no additional security. In excess of 250, yes, security can be looked for. But most SMEs in Ireland uh, the borrowing is somewhere between 75 and 100,000 so we expect that the bulk of people uh, applying for the covid-19 credit guarantee scheme will actually be uh, drawing money on an unsecured basis
2: yeah, and it's very important. You're, you're uh, head of marketing and research with the Strategic yes. Banking Corporation. You, you know, the mindset of business changes constantly in relation to it, and you're trying to keep up with that to ensure that they access credit. Tell us a bit about the, the, the issues that you discern.
1: Yeah, the big issues, um, John, is really since the last crisis, people have been, SMEs in particular, have become really good at managing their cash flow. Um, And what they've been doing with that is they've been using that cash flow to fund investment. Now, what that has meant is that SMEs uh, in Ireland have the same appetite to invest as their counterparts in Europe, but they're constraining the level of investment uh, due to uh, limiting it to their cash flow. So what we're trying to do is introduce products that take away some of the risk from the SME, uh, give some of the risk to the uh, financial institution, take some of it at the government level, But get SMEs into the mindset that it's actually okay to look at investment. And I think Mm -hmm. the proof of that is that we introduced a 10-year scheme, a long-term scheme, in 2019. And there's nearly 600 million of that scheme out there already uh, with SMEs. So, you know, SMEs are beginning to change. That mindset is beginning to change,
2: thankfully. Roisin, we're going to take a break in a second, but good news uh, for people in Carlock, Kenny, because St Canis's Credit Union has been approved for COVID-19 credit guarantee scheme and the decisions won't be made remotely, but they'll be made locally. Um, good news for the credit union.
0: Absolutely, and also for the community which we serve.
2: Yeah. Um, uh, tell us about the, the group that you put together uh, to to get this approval, I suppose.
0: So we are part of Metamo, which is a joint venture between Bexco and 16 other credit unions, and seven of those credit unions across the country. So from Tralee, Cork, Castlebar and um, Italian Port Leash, to ourselves, and we cover a bit of Carlo, most of Kilkenny, and also into Leash as well. We're one of the seven credit unions that have been approved to be able to deliver this to SMEs, um, and also primary producers so anyone in agri or fishery qualifies to apply for this scheme as well
2: yeah great news we'll talk a bit more about how people can apply uh, and also some of the broader issues after the break we're going to take a break you're listening to the bottom line the program for and about business on kclr i'm john purcell with you until 10 o'clock don't go away
0: the heart of two counties
2: kclr Seven and a half minutes away from 10 o'clock when the inimitable, the one and only Edward Hayden will be joining you for the Saturday show between 10 and 12. And I'm sure he's got great positive stuff to cheer up your Saturday morning as he usually does. Um, now, we've been talking to John Madigan of the Strategic Bank Corporation of Ireland and Roisin Gilroy of St. Canis's uh, Kilkenny Credit Union. St. Canice's Credit Union has been uh, just approved uh, to take part or provide uh, credit under the COVID-19 credit guarantee scheme. Uh, John, um, just before we go on, we were talking about people's application for credit and, and the you know, people are really good at managing their cash flow and, and managing without credit. But what's the take-up of this scheme and other schemes that you guys are involved in been like? Yeah,
1: there's been a bit of commentary in the, you know, in the last couple of weeks with regard to the low-take-up of the government's credit guarantee scheme. You know, it's a $2 billion scheme. It's the biggest scheme the government has ever introduced here in Ireland. But um, as of the end of this week, there's more than $125 million of the scheme actually sitting in the hands of SMEs. That's actually drawn by SMEs. And with the addition now of St Canis and the other credit unions and a few more non- non-banks to come as well, uh, we expect that the take-up on the scheme will really begin to ramp up as businesses begin to Uh, open up and um, start to plan for uh, what they need to borrow for in order to reopen.
3: Um,
1: Just in terms of the long-term scheme, as I said, nearly 600 million uh, sanctioned in the last year and a half. And on the COVID-19 and Brexit schemes, those working capital schemes, there's approximately 175 million of the 300 million scheme uh, fully allocated as well. So these things take a little bit of time to get moving, but when they get moving, SMEs see the value of them, particularly the value of that guarantee and the speed of response. So, um, yeah, I think that this will be a big success.
2: Yeah, Roisin, um you're you're there with open arms, wanting to hear from, from businesses um, all yes. over the area. Um, Just tell us what area you cover.
0: So, we have nine different branches. So, we're in Bagnallstown and Carlow. We're across most of Cookkenny, Piltown, Callan, Greg namana and into Leash, Durrow, Mount Rat and um, Russ Downey, mm. and the types of businesses who've been in touch with us in the last week, because we've only launched a week, would be a good bit of Agri, um, a gym, childcare, hairdressers, restaurants. So they're the types of business who've been in contact already, and I guess if you have a business that's been impacted by COVID, you know already whether you need access to credit. So while there's a, d- a deadline of the end of June for this scheme, we would say contact us now like don't wait the decision making is local so it's going to be quicker you're going to get your yes or your no in quite a short turnaround
2: time yeah don't and the whole 100. um the type of business is very important um as well because like when people hear millions and hundreds of millions they kind of tend to sometimes think of you know multinationals and big people and they might be you know a fairly modest sized business and think that doesn't apply to to them but like you're very keen to hear from from those kind of businesses
0: Yeah I mean the loan scheme starts off at a minimum of 10,000 euro and goes up to a million but mm. I mean there's a wide range in between so Absolutely and, you know, people can use this not only for investment or working capital, but also if they've had to refinance or got into debt as a result of COVID
2: hmm.
0: and anything related to those expenses.
2: Tell us about the application it. process, Roisin. How straightforward well, is it?
0: It's, it's the same as applying for any loan, really. If people go to our website and look up the SBCI loan, then they can they can apply. And all the scheme features are listed down along. And at the end, there's a really easy Apply Now button. And that takes them through the whole scheme. So there is another link into a centralised system whereby people can apply.
2: Okay, well look, um, it sounds very good. Um, you know, businesses are under pressure so if you do need mm. credit, there are people there uh, to help. Um, and so thanks to you both for joining us. That was uh, Roisin Gilroy, Head of Marketing and Business Development with St. Canice's Kilkenny Credit Union and John Madigan, who's Head of Marketing and uh, Research with the Strategic Banking Corporation of Ireland. Thank you very much to both of you Thanks, John. Okay, look, that's all we've got time for uh, this morning on the Bottom Line. Thank you for listening. I do hope that you've enjoyed the show. Remember, if you have any comments or ideas you'd like to get to us, you can email the Bottom Line at KCLR96FM.com, and you can listen back to this show or any episode of the program. Just search for the Bottom Line on KCLR on the Apple Store, Google Play, or Spotify, uh, or you can follow us on Twitter. Just search for the Bottom Line KCLR. Thank you to all our guests this morning garrett hart rosemary steen brenda MacDonald, Roisin gilroy and john john madigan thanks to deirdre drummy who produced the show and as i said thank you for listening do be careful out there have yourself a good weekend keep your distance wear a mask and limit your social content contacts and don't let this thing grind you down we will get through it as garrett hart said stay safe during the week and we'll talk to you again next week just after nine on saturday morning until then goodbye
1: KCLR's Bottom Line
0: Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business www.omf.ie.